This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, and with me this week, two fantastic human beings, I guess. Nick White. <laughs> hey. And Renee Rodriguez. You guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I love you guys. I'm just kidding, because, you know, we are here to talk about my favorite thing in the entire world, and that is comic books. And you know what? I'm going to ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Well, uh, it wouldn't be this segment without uh, the uh, West Michigan Weather Watch, so let's oh, just Lord. get that right out of the way. As we can see, moving in over the Northwest Plains, we've got... No. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's Michigan. Uh, it hasn't snowed for days. It looks like it won't snow again, and I'm sure it will in a couple days, so what do you want? Uh, it's... it's we're, we're just going to enjoy it for now, and then just probably end up with snow later, so... What are you, a um, meteorologist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is now on the show. It is. I, I went IRCB and I got my... Forecast. I got like AWS or whatever that is, American Weather Services certification, and yeah. Um, I can now point at a green screen and, and uh, yeah, so... What does that anyway. have to do with comics? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like oil. You know, oil prices fluctuate with the weather, so do comic quality so just you know just let him have this just, renee okay in terms of what i read i i do have a uh worldwide exclusive so i'm just gonna leave a spot right here for xander to put in whatever celebratory sound effect he deems relevant uh-huh. okay there you go thanks xander um so uh this week we got an advanced copy of exo man of war number one uh, this is the third iteration, technically, of this character, with um, Venditti having the first run in 2012, Matt Kent having his run in 20... Uh, I think it started in 16 or 17. Um, mm-hmm. This is Dennis Hopeless's first book for Valiant, or as he now wants to be called, Dennis Hallam, or Dennis quotes hopeless unquotes hallam i don't know uh um the book also has emilio liso on art ruth redmond on colors and hassan otsmane elehu on letters i know we've had this name on the show i'm sure i butchered it last time too so apologies um We've been waiting for this book for a while. It got kicked around on the Valiant release schedule once or twice before it settled on late March uh, next month, um, which is kind of weird. Uh, I sort of thought that maybe this book was like time sensitive or they were trying to line it up with an event or something going on in an adjacent book. And so this was sort of they were waiting for the stars to align and then release it, except after having read this book, I'm really kind of confused because there's nothing here that indicates that it needs to interact with another book. This is about as self-contained as things get. And in terms of like where Valiant is under DMG management, it seems very much in line with what DMG wants, which is they don't really seem that interested in broad ongoing canon. So I guess that works. Um, That said, if you'd have told me that this would be the best Valiant book I would read in a long time, uh, I would be shocked, honestly. Um, Exo has always kind of been like a like but don't really love character for me. Um, and in the past, when I've actually read it, it's largely just because been because of the creative teams attached, whether that's um, Matt Kent or whomever. 
I can't really speak to much of Hallam's work. Obviously, he spent a lot of time at Marvel, and so that kind of explains why I don't really know much about him. All I really know is that he doesn't want to be called Dennis Hopeless anymore, so that's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mainly was interested in this book because Emilio Lyso, he previously worked with Hallam last year on um, Spider-Man Velocity, which I guess was a continuation of the storyline of the Spider-Man PS4 game. Apparently there was a book for that. Um, he also drew all of Dr. Aphra volumes three and five, as well as the adaptation of Star Wars Rogue One. So pretty sterling background. I really liked his work on that. I think he also drew Star Wars Annual number two for the main book. Um, this book is actually a lot more of a Eric, Eric being Eric of Dacia being the person who, you know, wears the, the exo armor. Um, mm-hmm. Eric much more as like a normal day to day person. He's more, he's just talkier, more, more, um, more verbal than he's been in the past. His speech tends to reflect a more modern vernacular and the armor kind of like vacillates between being like hyper informed and clueless. Like at one point he, the armor is trying to learn about basketball and it confuses Larry Bird with actually being a bird. And it's like, okay, this is kind of funny, but mm-hmm. also the armor is not usually, a this talkative or b this dumb so it's it's really different i I think lizo's depiction of of eric absolutely fits for what hallam is striving for the design work is absolutely stellar um obviously for a lot of the book he's not wearing the armor anymore but he is wearing like a blue hoodie with like yellow drawstrings and so it's kind of a rough abstraction of the armor in terms of like color designs and whatnot yeah it's it's clever it's clever um, that said, this is probably the most cartoony, most animated, and just tonally light EXO work we've ever gotten, which yeah. isn't saying much because EXO has always been not saying much, killing a ton of people, pretty brutal. It's not unlike uh, Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. I, I was going to say, I feel like, you know, especially coming off of the Matt Kent run, like, things were really, like harsh and heavy and super serious and stoic and it, yeah. it's bizarre to hear that this other book now exists it almost feels like a like a, they moved to a different character and yet it's the same so maybe this is dmg slash valiant just trying to recreate this character to be a little bit more modern and likable yeah it's kind of like an unspoken reboot there's yeah. there's not too much here to link it to the broader Valiant universe. There's not much here to link it to Eric's past, honestly. Uh, and, and this extends all the way to his personality. It expends, extends all the way to the armor itself. Um, like, the armor used to basically be HAL 9000 with mm-hmm. a slightly better understanding of people. Um, mm-hmm. but, but now the armor just, it, it, it sounds like, everyday normal guy like makes jokes has some understanding of pop culture and colloquialisms um it's a real departure and i think i like the book i did enjoy it the art is stellar um it's just going to be really a question of where it goes from here um yeah we do have like a big bad that's sort of set up at the end of the issue we don't know much about them so it is intriguing I think the only people that are really going to be disappointed are people that were eager to see a real continuation from, uh, say, Kint's run or or Venditti's run. But uh, honestly, yeah. this is the best book I've seen in a while, and this is probably what this character needed, to be honest. Yeah. 
it sounds like to, it sounds to me like from the little that I know from the exo that I read, you know, that it's less of a parasitic relationship where the 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 armor is trying to convince um, Eric to continuously use him so that he can have more control over him, and it sounds more like it's it's symbiotic. Yeah, and like I, they're they're working together. You you bring up a really good point, and that was definitely something I noticed as well. Is that in in past exos you were always kind of keeping one eye on the armor because it was always up to something. And you don't get that vibe here at all. It does feel like it's kind of like a buddy cop sort of thing. Like there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a, there's a buddy dynamic going on here and not sort of a, you know, sleep with one eye open kind of dynamic, which is what it always felt like it was in the past. So interesting. See, th- but this is enough for me to be like, huh, this seems like a really interesting new take on a character. Maybe I'll try this one. So I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Uh, but Renee, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Um, comic books are always the redeeming light in the darkness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I always enjoy reading comics and uh, I can't get enough of them. So, I mean, that's... Uh, especially now I've, I switched um, to Second Shift and... You know, it's nice just to be able to just kind of read, you know, so uh, it's been good. Comic books have been good. And uh, finally, after many years of hearing all about it from you, my good friend, I finally read The Drops of God and I read all all the volumes out available, which is one through 11 Mm -hmm. um, on Kindle Unlimited um, because I have that subscription, and that's the story by uh, Tadashi Agi, which is actually a brother and sister duo, Yuko and Shin Kibayashi, and the art is by Shu Okimoto, which I actually didn't realize um, who the artist was, I think, until, like, uh, like till the sixth or seventh volume, because I I was almost like, is this Tageshi Obata who who wrote uh or who was the artist on Death Note and uh, mm-hmm. Bakuman, and yeah. is on Platinum Man? Because I was like, it's very similar, but it's not the same. But I was like, I I wonder who it is, and it's 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 not him. It's Shu Okimoto, um, who I don't I don't actually know the any of the other books that he's done, but the art is done really really well. And like Mike has said a thousand times, it's a manga about wine. It's pretty intense, but it's also it kind of sucks you in. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I definitely enjoyed it, and I actually am kind of upset that uh, Volume Twelve doesn't have a release date yet. But it was really good. It was really good. And- I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it, man. I, I've been. I feel like I've been pushing this book because I, I was turned on to it randomly by listening to uh, the Vault of Midnight podcast like a long time ago. And I was like, okay, this sounds pretty interesting. I don't read a lot of manga. Maybe I'll try this. And I got super sucked in, and I bought the first four volumes in physical. And it was there's no digital release, no nothing. And then Comixology announced that they were adapting and translating the whole series, and that they had eleven volumes done. And I like fell out of my fucking seat with excitement. Um, I'm so glad that people get to read this book because I think it's such a an interesting like sign in comic. Like it's a comic aimed at adults. It doesn't have like some of the wacky gimmicks that you would expect out of a like a shonen manga but it still has a lot of the like anime tropes that i think make a good rivalry story work so i'm, I'm glad you got to dive into this man yeah yeah and actually i was i remember that we were talking about this because uh like i think a year ago you were saying that they released only the four volumes and then they had a different series that was like volume 15 or something like that 
Yeah. And that was that was done by the creators. They were pushing that because they wanted they were like, oh, you know, we want to try and push it onto the audience in the West so it can gain traction. And then it worked. Mm-hmm. People got an interest and then uh, Kodansha decided that they were going to release all the volumes in English. And it's like 44 volumes total. Yeah, it's a pretty long book. Yeah, because I mean, what, uh, like the 11th volume is the end of they've only got three out of the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Like, goodness gracious. But yeah, man, it was good. It was good. It was a good read. It was very interesting. I liked it. Um, I As for what else I read this week was I also am rereading through um, Noragami, um, which is story and art by uh, Adachi Toka, uh, which is... <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about this series. I have not. Um, the anime was had a lot of uh, praise for it a couple of years ago. But Noragami is about a god named Yato who's a stray god who's trying to gain followers. So he just prothelitizes himself all over the place. Basically, he's, he calls himself a, uh, a delivery service god. But he's like, I'll do any job for five yen. Uh, cause that's the offering to, to gods or whatever. So he just writes it on like bathrooms and like on random walls at bus stops and stuff like that. And he does any job so that, cause he wants to gain a following so that he can become the biggest God. And, um, as things go on, you, he meets this, uh, girl who's kind of like halfway between, um, this world and the next. So she can see all the gods and monsters and things like that and ghosts. And so she sort of befriends, uh, Yato and and his uh, Shinki, which is like his spirit partner type thing. So you learn about all the gods and Shintoism and sort of like how they uh, started and also how they transition into what the beliefs are now. And I mean, the liberties are taken as well, but mm-hmm. um, overall you get to learn a couple of really cool things. And the story is really interesting and I really do love the art. And the book is very funny and lighthearted, but also super dark at times, which I think is the best kind of stuff. And speaking of dark, I also read uh, D. Grayman volumes 10 through 12. And D. Grayman is one of my absolute favorite manga of all time. And uh, it's story and art by Katsura Hoshino. And D. Grayman is in a world uh, where basically there are these demons that are called Akuma that are basically pretending to be humans and are trying to take over the world. And fighting them is... Uh, this secret group called the Black Order, and they are apostles of God who have gifts of innocence, from which are pieces of God, and they fight against the Akuma and try to, you know, banish them to hell. And they're fighting against the leaders of the Akuma is this guy called the Millennial Earl, and he's a, he's a weird looking guy, and he's also insane. And it's it it's a really good series. It's very dark, but it's also beautifully drawn. And it gets a little um actually this is this is kind of the turning point for the series, volumes uh ten through twelve, because this is the beginning of the uh Noah's Ark story arc, which also has one of my favorite anime tropes where the good guys kind of file off one by one to fight villains and they're like, Don't worry. I'll catch up later. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Basically, 95% of Bleach, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know what? I love that. I love that yeah. shit is right up my my alley. And that's why uh-huh. I still love Bleach. And honestly, 
I love that trope. That's one of my favorite things. I'm never going to get tired of it because all the mm-hmm. cool lines cover and you got some sweet battles. And oh, yeah. this is no exception. And I mean, right after this, D. Gray Man gets really, really intense and super confusing, but it's also it's also pretty uh, choice. So I would highly recommend it. And uh, You put the first volume of this on our reading challenge for this year, right? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, everybody should go join the reading challenge and read the first volume, get hooked like Renee, and then let him know what you think about volumes 10 through 12 when you get there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Although, if you are kind of, uh, if dark stuff kind of creeps you out, maybe don't read this. Because, I mean, like, in the first first book, like, someone brings back their uh, their dad from the dead, and the dad curses them, and then gets dragged back to hell and has to get, like, torn up. It's pretty dark. It's a nor- um, normal demon stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> right, right, right. This is, an- this is another one of those books where you're like, Renee, you're terrified of demons. Why are you reading stuff about demons? I was like, well, when the story's good, <laughs> you yeah. just got to deal yeah. with your fears. <laughs> Speaking when- of fears, yeah, you I want to talk about comics that I've read this past week. <laughs> um, I read... Uh, Black Stars Above, number three and four, and uh, this continues to be the creepiest book that I purchase regularly and get very excited about. I forgot that issue three had come out, and so when I saw issue four, I was like, ooh, this is a nice surprise. I get to read two issues in a row. I don't know why I did that to myself, though, because um, there... I was, like, had to get up and walk around after reading them because it was very creepy like this whole book gets under your skin in the worst way if you don't know what this book is this is from vault comics is written by lonnie nadler with pencils by pencils and inks by jenna cha and colors by brad simpson the story follows uh, a half french half native american woman living in the like northern 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 parts of canada during a very terrible winter she decides she doesn't want to live and get married off to some person she wants to be a trapper she wants to be someone that sells like you know animal furs to people and she eventually wanders off into the woods um trying to trap things and decides you know i don't i don't have to go home i'm gonna go to this other this other town that's north of everything and i'm gonna actually make a life for myself but this town has no name and i didn't realize that until issue four of the series because the main character points it out that she keeps saying she's going to this next town but she never says what it is and the story gets really really creepy and it's like lovecraftian in a way, and I don't want to say that it's like, oh, Cthulhu, Relay, or whatever the fuck they do with that stuff. Um, yeah, that's for you, Nick. That was for you. Um, it's it's It has this eldritch horror feel to it, but it's not about the sea and like space. It's more about the void of an absence of life in a harsh winter and how that itself can be considered like a, an, an infinite nothingness in white instead of black. Um, there are these mythical things that keep being mentioned in the character's dreams. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. There's this strange tentacled animal monster thing that the main character she, she carries around with her. I can't remember what her name is because I think it was said once in the first issue and I just don't remember what it is because she hasn't talked to anyone in a very long time and I'm going to leave it at that because there are other things that she talks to but I'm just going to leave it there. Um, This book, like I said, really gets under my skin. The one thing though I will say, uh, issue three had eight pages of notes slash prose dropped right in the middle of it and when I saw it, I was so fucking mad 
And then I couldn't stop reading it. Like, I literally screen capped it, sent it to Nick, and I said, what the fuck is this? And then I went back and I continued to read the issue, and it was actually very good. I, I got really sucked in. It was written very well, and it didn't feel like a bore or a drain. Every single sentence, every like little bit and piece that were provided in those pages were super relevant to what the character was doing and the overall story about what these quote-unquote black stars above are. Like, the title is actually super relevant to the actual comic book. So... Yeah, I don't know. If you're looking for something that's just going to kind of weird you out and give you shivers, this book totally works, and it creeped me the hell out last night. So I highly recommend it. <laughs> <I was laughs> uh, saying, issue it, issue five is coming out soon, and I think it's the last issue in the in the series. I was say it kind of reminds me of uh, that TV show, The Terror, or at least the first season, which is about the uh, lost ex- expedition of the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror. Oh, okay. Which it was a polar expedition, and they kind of get stuck in the ice and end up having to walk on foot. And that's all about that same kind of feel where they're like mm-hmm. out in the barren wasteland of snow, and it's just what's out there. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it's, ooh, it, it really creeps me out. And I'm like, as much as I am sad that there hasn't really been any snow here in New York this winter, um, reading this series, <laughs> I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, the other thing that I read, I'll talk about really quick, is I got caught up on One Punch Man. I read chapters 95 through 117 yesterday. Um, this is a story by one with art by Yasuki Murata. And I don't know, if you're not reading One Punch Man, like you probably do not give a shit, but holy cow, this book continues to be awesome and very aware of how stupid it is like every time there is a moment of like yeah look at how badass we are like there's always a one line like but also this is kind of dumb but you can enjoy that but it is kind of over the top um i some of the best moments that have happened in the most more recent chapters is one punch man actually shows up to this big fight that's been going on for like 40 chapters already (laughs) and he's just like hey could you guys keep it down i live above ground here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um i just i just really love this series so i i'm actually pleased though to see that this book has moved from like a once a month ish uh, schedule to every other week so it's kind of following a more traditional manga style or manga release schedule i do i can tell that the art has kind of dropped in quality and slightly but honestly the story is still really good so i'm on board for it yeah i kind of i kind of wonder if yusuke murata is going to do his own series because he had a one shot in Shonen Jump not that long ago and it was like magic versus science I can't remember what it was isn't that called isn't that Dr. Stone no (laughs) (laughs) you fucker I got you today anyways let's 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 move on really quick let's let's talk about comics that are we're excited about that are coming up in the next week or so comic books are dropping on on March 3rd 2020 what are you guys excited for this week I'm gonna throw to you Nick so for me, it's definitely got to be uh, King of Nowhere number one. This is coming out from Boom Comics. It's a five-issue miniseries and features W. Maxwell Prince writing, Tyler Jenkins on art, Hillary Jenkins on colors, and And World Design on letters. I'm not familiar with that design okay. company, so that's new to me. Um, the description from Boom is... Uh, drunken lowlife Dennis awakens on the outskirts of a mysterious village called Nowhere, home to a friendly populace of deformed, mutated, just left of normal citizens, and he has no memory of how he got there. But just when Dennis starts to regain his memories, his past catches up to him, literally. What at first seems like merely a bad trip quickly heightens into a drama of mistaken identity, small-town conspiracy, and high-stakes fantasy fulfillment. 
so basically, uh, Ice Cream Man is just coming to a new publisher, and they're just going to republish <laughs> it again, is my understanding. Sure, uh, sure. W. Maxwell Prince is going to get his money where he can, and, and he's just going to uh, republish it. And um, you throw some new covers on that, and I'm sure you'll have some people more than eager to just rebuy it. <laughs> I mean, all, all, all joking aside, uh, obviously, this does seem like W. Maxwell Prince's bread and butter. Um of just weird shit and fantasy shit kind of juxtaposed alongside of like a small town with rotating characters that sort of weave themselves in and out of it. Uh, I, I do think it's very ish- interesting that this is a five issue miniseries for two reasons. Um, one, it obviously puts W. Maxwell Prince in a slightly more self contained um, atmosphere than, than what we're used to. And two, at least I know that because it's five issues, it won't endanger uh, my beautiful baby called Ice Cream Man. Uh, because when yeah. I heard about this, I was like, are you going to take time away from the thing I love? Because I don't know how I feel about that. And then they're <laughs> like, relax. Uh, the covers are being done by Tyler Jenkins, uh, um, uh, Martin Morazzo, and um, what's his face? Christian, Christian Ward. Ward. Christian Ward. Yeah. So, very excited about this. Obviously, there's not a whole lot concrete to work with here, but the the team is absolutely 100% stellar and yeah. it's 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 going to be something for sure. Yeah, I'm very excited to pick this up. This this looks like like this was going to be my pick until I saw that you had grabbed it and no surprise. Um <laughs> I am very pumped for this book. Uh what about you, Renee? What are you excited for this week? First of all, I just want to say that uh Based off of Nick's description of King of Nowhere and Ice Cream Man, I think you guys would both really enjoy Jojolian, which is the current part of JoJo's Bizarre okay. Adventure. That's all I'm saying. But okay. anyway, what I'm excited for this week is a newish manga called Mashal, Magic and Muscles, uh, Chapter 6, which is actually out now. Um, so, I mean, you could technically read it for free. It came out this morning, but I mean, that still constitutes this week. And, you know... Uh, you can read the entire series if you have the Shonen Jump subscription. Um, but it's ba- the series is basically Black Clover, Harry Potter, and One Punch Man mixed together, and it's glorious. Uh, which, if for any of you guys that haven't read any of that stuff, so basically it's about a kid who lives in a world where magic rules everything, and there's a prestigious magic school in this country, and like the top members of society go to this school, and they're like the tops of that. And there's this kid that lives in the forest with his dad, and he can't really do magic, so instead he works out 24-7 to be just this totally ripped and buff guy since he can't do magic. And it's to the point where he's so strong that magic doesn't affect him. So he decides to enroll in the magic school to become the best student there. And... Yeah. It's weird. Renee... Um, <laughs> Renee, I already read My Hero Academia. Don't make me read it again. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, right? That sounds like the biggest trope ever. You're like, oh, God, not another one of these. The execution is absolutely fantastic. Because, like, I got, I, when I saw the, the, the rollout for this manga, I was like, oh, God, here we go. And then I, I haven't laughed so hard from a manga in so long like so consistently and like and that, that's i love dr stone which is a, a gag manga and it's really funny and but i mean mashal has me like rolling every single week it's really good the art's great it's very funny i was gonna say renee when you're like oh yeah he's poor and he doesn't have any powers and he lives in the woods and i so never he has said to he work was out poor. And, and be you strong or whatever <laughs> 
I was like, Renee, not, you're not going to make me read the same book twice. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys, I'm sorry. You guys were you just saying that you were going to pick up the new series that's basically Ice Cream Man? <laughs> yeah, basically, Renee. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, but that's. Shut um, up, Nick. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> All right. You know what, you guys? Let's not spoil the second half of this show really quick, okay? Uh, Renee, I tried Mashal. I got I got some thoughts about it. Maybe we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. So uh, the book that I'm excited for this week is Dryad Number One. This is Curtis Weeby with Justin Ostler, Osterling, excuse me, from Oni Press. Uh, this is human and elves living together. Um, yeah, that's that's the story. Boo. I think uh, the, uh, the man and his uh, uh, two people get married: uh, an elven woman and a human man. Uh, they have two kids, and they're on a journey. I don't really know much about this story because the synopsis is like one line that doesn't really tell you anything. But really, I like Weeby's approach to fantasy, and I really love the preview pages of this book. It looks really pretty. Osterling's art is stupendous. It's the kind of like super detailed fantasy stuff that I really like. That I really liked about Rat Queens. So I'm I'm excited. I can always jump into a new fantasy book at least for one issue so um yeah i'm in i'm gonna try it at least I, like i said a weeby i think will hook me i liked his peter panzer faust i like rat queens i everything that i've seen that i've read of his um has been great so i'm on board but that's that's my pick and you know what? we're gonna take a quick break before we can get into anything else and people start screaming and yelling we're gonna save that for the <laughs> second half because we're gonna be talking about the shonen jump app and you guys we did it we convinced nick to read a bunch of manga and talk about it on this show so we're gonna get to that right after the break We had a review on iTunes recently by someone who just loves the show so much, I don't know how to express it. And in fact, they wrote a review, so I'm going to read it. And here's what it said. Five stars in Apple Podcasts by The Real Cinco. My favorite part about being a part of the IRCB Discord is how much they talk about dental hygiene. Mike Mike is legally obligated to read this on the show. (laughs) Thank you, Cinco. We appreciate you reviewing and rating our show on iTunes. (laughs) Can you imagine someone coming across that review? You know what? what They're going to. They're going to. I don't think you're legally obligated to read it, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. For our show this week, we are talking about the Shonen Jump app. And boy, oh boy, we convinced Nick to read some manga using the Shonen Jump app. So Renee and I have been using the Shonen Jump apps for a bit now because that subscription came out last year i believe that was two dollars a month or 25 dollars a year to get access to over ten thousand chapters of manga and we're really excited to talk about it but before we get into all of that and we hear what nick thought about the manga we picked for him i wanted to let everyone know that saga of saga our latest patreon series that releases every twice a week i should say wednesdays and saturdays where we're going through every single issue of saga we now have the first two episodes free available to listen to on our patreon so go over to patreon.com slash ircb podcast check those out and if you like it start reading saga subscribe and get access to all the future episodes we're in the middle of volume two right now it is so cool but anyways let's let's talk about manga let's talk about what nick read using the shonen jump app so renee what were the books that you picked and what were the books that i picked for this let's let's just go through that first uh, the pieces I gave Nick were two monsters of the industry, the fantastic One Piece by Ichiro Oda, and the long-running series JoJo's Bizarre Adventure by Hirohiko Araki. What about you, Mike? What'd you give Nick? So I grabbed One Punch Man, which is 
by one and Yusuke Murata, which we talked about earlier. And then I also threw at Nick, my, my near and dear to my heart, My Hero Academia by Kohi Horikashi. Nick, I, I got to know, what did you think of these books? Let's, let's go down the line. Let's start at the top of your notes. What did you think of these manga? I haven't read your notes at all, so I'm, I'm curious to hear it in real time. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I guess we'll start with JoJo, which it, it did fundamentally feel pretty different from the rest and when i went and sort of went back and did a little bit of research and discovered that jojo is i think it's like 32 years old at this point um i don't know it it kind of gave some context to the fact that certain parts of it felt a little you know dated no different than how we look at comic books from 30 or 40 years ago so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I mean, right away, you start with this, in this book, with this scantily clad woman who's in peril, and there's either, like, a a knife or a stalactite looming over her head. I'm I'm not sure which. I mean, I, I know that if it's, if it's a stalactite, it's a stalactite, because they hold tight to the ceiling. This is all I remember from 8th grade earth science. Great. Um... And and then if you're like, well, I'm not sure if it's a knife, and then the the frame changes, and like there's a knife being held by her crotch, and I'm like, well, that's a knife. And then I'm like, what's going on here? And then they drive the knife through her bosom, because this guy who's killing her claims that the mask he is wearing needs blood. And I mm-hmm. go, um, well, this is, a, this is a very interesting way to begin my... Uh, my uh, learning experience with manga um (laughs) what a way to start things off yeah um but uh i don't know the the first volume was really interesting for me right off the right just right away because i i'm i've at least read like an itty bitty bit of manga so I, i understand the idea that normally um the first couple pages of the first volume or even like the first couple pages of each volume are in color frequently Mm -hmm. um and with jojo it was kind of a different approach the whole first volume was kind of in duotone much like you mean you mean the first chapter yeah i'm sorry yeah the the first the first chapter was in like a duotone orange and and then on black and white kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and then after that it just went straight to black and white which 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 was kind of different it was it was interesting um for those not aware basically the the beginning of this book follows this old man named brando who kind of looks like marlon brando surprise and he has a son named dio and brando is getting old and he tells dio hey i rescued this guy who was in a carriage accident a long time ago uh the true story is that i really didn't rescue him i thought he was dead and i was attempting to rob him yeah um by the way uh like you need to go live with him now. I'm sick and old and dying. Uh, I know that this guy's got a lot of money, and and he said you can go live with him. And and this guy's name is is Joe Joestar because um, terrible names just seem to be a real big staple of um, of manga. His name is George okay. Joestar. Yeah, George Joestar. That's his dad. That's JoJo's dad, Nick. How dare you? Yeah. Wait, then who's Jonathan Joestar? Jonathan Joestar is the son, and he's the main character of this part. By the way, this is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1, Phantom right. Blood, um, which is the beginning of the JoJo series. But yeah, all the characters are going to have crazy names, Nick. You're going to have to get over that. Well, they're all going to be JoJo's, right? That's the whole 
premise, right? They're yeah. all Joe stars, right? And they're all yeah. first names are all going to begin with Joe. Okay. They're all, so their names either with... begin with Joe or they have a nickname that resembles it because there's Josuke Higashikata, but like the way that you spell his name, I think in Hiragana has the Joe. Yeah, you're right. It, doesn't, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Anyways. So there's two Joe stars at this point or, or three? Oh, brother. So there's each each part of the JoJo series has a JoJo as the main character. Right, right. No, I'm saying at this point in the book, there's only two, right? Anyway, so Dio goes to live with this family, and he hates them, and he says he's gonna, like, ruin them, and he hates that they're wealthy, and, of course, inevitably, like, this is, this is manga, so everyone has to have a rival, right? That's how it works. And so yeah. they, be- they, they, they become rivals, even though... Um, the younger Joe Star doesn't really seem that interested in having a rival. Uh, he's kind of just like a mopey baby, and he just cries a lot and gets his food taken away and says that he doesn't have any manners and he doesn't know how to behave. Um, and all of that's very hilarious. It's great. Like, like I mean, in, in some other mangas I've read, it's like, oh, you and I are fated to fight forever, you know, as rivals. And in this one, the dude's like, dude, I just fucking hate this new kid at my house. I hate him. <laughs> Like he's a, he's a real jerk. He beat up my dog. Yeah. Uh, he made it so I didn't get dinner. And then I thought I was really good at boxing, and I challenged him to boxing. And he kicked my ass in that. And then told all the other kids around, "Hey, why don't I show you my techniques that I beat this Joe Star kid's ass with?" Also, I have fireworks for everyone. This party is off the chain. <laughs> It really then, is. It really is bizarre. Like, and I, <laughs> sorry for the pun, but it is like absurd. Like how that, the, what you just described, actually happens panel by panel is the craziest <laughs> part. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, "How can I make his life worse?" Uh, Dio thinks to himself, and so he waits. Until the 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 Joe Star kid gets a girlfriend and takes her to the fair, and they're really getting along. And then he's like, "I'm a, I, you know, he's like, uh, I'm." I'm gonna steal your girl, basically, and uh, and 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 kind of does. So, uh, yeah, um, there's there's a there's a lot to take in here. Um, yeah, this this I think by far was maybe one of the weirdest ones for me, and I think part of it is that like I know a little bit about JoJo at large just because of how popular it's kind of been in like the meme community and things like that, and. Um, Despite me kind of understanding those aspects of JoJo, what I read did not resemble any of that at all. <laughs> and I can only assume that's because, like, a lot of the meme JoJo stuff is, like, from way further down in the in the series and whatnot, so. Yeah, Renee, I, I, I guess, can you enlighten us a little bit on that before we move on to the next one? Yes, yes, I can. So, yeah, there are eight parts of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and each part follows a uh, character whose name is JoJo, either through their this through their nickname because of their names and whatnot. And they all are at least related to the Joestar family, and they deal with some form of evil. Um, <clears throat> and the first part, um, Phantom Blood, which is what we had Nick read, is actually the shortest part. Um, I believe other than Diamond is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And so Nick's right. A lot of the memes definitely come from JoJo's part two and on, especially with okay. uh, the wonderful animation done by David Productions. Uh, it was yeah. fantastic. And uh, Phantom Blood is 
is very short and it's it doesn't ha- even though it's fucking wonky as shit and it's super fun but most of the most of the memes definitely come from uh part two and part three um just because of uh joseph joestar uh, mm-hmm. being a goofy guy but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the series it, it definitely lives up to the fact that that word bizarre it only gets weirder from here on yeah. out and yeah, I, mean, I think part one is is very tame compared to the others. Yeah, and Nick hasn't even gotten to the sunshine boxing yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so that's JoJo. So Nick, you also read One Piece, so let's go through that one really quick. What did you think of One Piece without going too deep into the narrative on it? But yeah. like you know, yeah, One Piece is is definitely like compared to JoJo's. I think again, it's something that, like, if you're somewhat invested in pop culture, you've probably seen or heard something. One Piece, I would argue, is definitely more popular than JoJo. Obviously, it's spawned a bunch of video games and things like that, so it was kind of in my peripheral a bit, but, yeah, it's largely about pirates, and that was kind of fun, and you've got this famous pirate, and he's named Gold Roger, and before he gets killed, he goes, you'll have to search the whole world for my famous treasure, One Piece, which is kind of a weird name for like your treasure um like i don't it's kind of like discouraging in a way it should be like you shall you have to search all over for my treasure massive amount of treasure or something like that you know one piece is weird um and 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 you've got this character named monkey d luffy he wants to be a pirate he can't swim um and again, you kind of have this trait that we see, I think, in other mangas as well as, you know, as well as Western comics of someone who, like, really wants to be someone who really wants to be something he is just not qualified for at all, which um, <laughs> as someone who's been filling out a lot of job applications lately, I can relate to this. Right. Um, like, uh, there, there's something I can definitely relate to in that. Um so, yeah, I, I really did like the detail in this book. I thought there was a really wide variety of character designs. Um, you don't have a real issue of, like, same face in this book like you do in other books. Um, Absolutely. All sorts of different, like, body shapes and, and, and character types. Uh, characters are just very easily distinguishable from one another in this book. Um, Luffy's utter inability to normally interact with anyone is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so he meets this kid named Kobe, who at the, the uh, who at this point in the book is basically the only th- only friend he has, and I use friend loosely. They barely know each other, mm-hmm. and he's probably the only person who's going to get Luffy back to anything remotely involving freedom after he's been trapped on this ship. And he just goes, "You're kind of clumsy and dumb." And that's what he says to the only person who's going to ever get him off that ship. So, um, read the room, Luffy. Um, Luffy. Yeah, I think it's Luffy. I always get corrected by this, too. It's Luffy. It's Monkey D. Luffy. At at one point, Luffy goes, you actually got us to the destination. And Kobe goes, of course I did. That's the minimum requirement for people who sail the seas. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Luffy is just resoundingly, overwhelmingly dumb. He's delusional, constantly makes terrible decisions that endanger the lives of others as well as his own. That's probably why I'll keep reading this book. Um, 
<laughs> Good, because it only gets worse. <laughs> He's just, it's just, just one terrible decision after another. He's like, I want to be a pirate. And then Kobe's like, hey, I'm going to join the Navy. That's kind of like the rival of pirates. Is that okay with you? Luffy's like, I don't care. Also, I need to recruit this guy who's a pirate hunter. And Kobe's like, maybe that's a bad idea for obvious reasons. And he's like, I don't care. It's like, okay. Yep. You've pretty much summed up all of One Piece so far. And I'm 160 <laughs> chapters in. <laughs> but no, honestly, it's it's detailed characters. The shading is great. The characters really look different from one another. The action is, is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that there are sort of different aesthetics being borrowed here and there. I think the... Um, what is her name? Like uh, Captain Edvita or something like that. Um, this like evil captain who's kind of captured Kobe at the beginning of the book. Um, she sort of has like a Western cowboyish kind of aesthetic to her clothing. Yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting. You can tell at certain points that the book is borrowing from different um, cultures and 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 aesthetics for different sort of like. Uh, sort of get-ups for the different characters to make them more distinctive Mm -hmm. um which which yeah i i I like that um i i can definitely see how this book could go on and has gone on forever (laughs) yeah i mean it's funny that renee picked both of these like one piece of jojos who have both been going on and have been like huge foundational staples i think in the manga world for a long time uh i think jojo's has become more popular in the west i think over the last maybe five or six years but one piece i think has been around for 15 20 years and it has stayed around and people still love it and i like i said 160 chapters in right now and i understand it like those first hundred chapters fly by so fast because the story is constantly building in a way that doesn't ever get tiring not like like a Dragon Ball or a Bleach to which I mean I love those books don't get me wrong but they're the way they build momentum is very um, cookie cutter I think it's very like once they've done it one way once then that's how they keep doing it um, One Piece I mean the, the fights can be a little repetitive but they they always find a way to open up new angles on the characters and I really love that um, I don't know what are your thoughts Renee really quick on One Piece um, it's excellent. okay Okay. (laughs) i don't know what to say you've kind of you guys have kind of hit it because it's it's absolutely the funniest thing that i think of is like you're right luffy is resoundingly stupid and he's unreliable and yet somehow at the end of the day he's the most reliable person in the world (laughs) yeah There, there are some moments that i've read um where he like he truly values his friendship with characters and i think that's his strongest selling point right like once someone is on his crew i mean slight spoilers for the story right he does not ever abandon them no matter what and he he cherishes that friendship to the point where if anything goes wrong or someone is is somehow you know i guess like injured or if they if they if someone does something bad to one of his friends like he goes all out and it's so rewarding to see that happen i i fucking love it oh, yeah. that, and that's why i've been continuously reading it yeah, One Piece um, is is 100% about friendship. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, um, so but- far, the coolest character in that book is um, the first mate who does not have a first name and just is called First Mate. Um, I don't know if there's going to be anyone else as cool as, as he seems to be in this book, but he's basically like my new life goal, I guess. he's. <laughs> who are you uh, talking about? For, for, they just call him first mate. He's the first mate of um, Cap, the, the Captain Shanks crew or whatever. Oh, oh, oh of Redbeard's yeah. crew. 
Redbeard's yeah, Ooh. that's oh Nick. Oh, Y'all brother. don't even know, bro. I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, but let's let's move on. Let's talk about the the next book. You also read One Punch Man. Yeah, One One Punch Man was was one of the books you picked, and I think what's interesting is that um you know Renee's picks seem to be um more uh like sort of older books that have been around for quite some time that have sort of held the test of time and whatnot, and I think you obviously went a bit more. Um, modern, and and I think also in some ways I I would argue that the two books the two books you picked seem to be I don't it's almost like they were written more with the idea that they were going to be simultaneously put in front of a Western and an Eastern audience at the same time. Does that make oh, yeah. sense? Absolutely, that's definitely one hundred percent how those books were presented. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they sort of feel that way, obviously, which 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 is really interesting. Um, so One Punch Man is a very simple premise that almost the title just completely covers. You have a superhero. Uh, his ability slash problem is that he just is so overwhelmingly powerful that just everything immediately dies. End of story. Um, when he tries to fight them, like monsters when he fights them, they just immediately die from just, one punch. Yeah, exactly. Um I really, really like the super realistic backgrounds in this book, and I think you told me that this is like an every other week. Well, they've moved it now to every other week, but for a while it was like a once a month book, if yeah. not once a six weeks, eight weeks, six months. Compared, you know, based on what Renee has said, so yeah. yeah, they definitely take their time with the book, and and that makes sense because when you look at the art in this book you sort of get that feeling of, I don't care if you tend to be a faster artist than others or you tend to be a slower artist than others. This book is just not going to be done in two weeks. It's just not possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. period. Yeah. I don't care who you are. It's not happening. Uh, you've got these really hyper-realistic backgrounds, these really hyper-realistic settings, which obviously, this is clearly an aesthetic choice. The simplicity, not only of of One Punch Man's just sort of... Uh, aesthetic and and kind of character design as well as sort of the face design it's 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 just even more humorous to have that juxtaposed with these very grounded hyper realistic backgrounds mm-hmm. um thought that was a really interesting choice um another thing i noticed in this book i noticed it in some of the other ones as well uh it's just really heightened in this book is that Obviously, the word art is still in Japanese, right? Because you're not going to completely rip that out and try to redesign the word art. It's just not going to happen. What's interesting about that is that in some books, they do that. Actually, a lot of Viz books published by... Yeah, so a lot of books that are published by Viz, they do rip out the Japanese um, action words and replace it with English. Like, you'll notice that a lot, I think, in... um, I I think it's... I want to say My Hero Academia has a lot of that. Um, mm. and, and Bleach had a lot of that. It, it, they may be doing it less now. Maybe the chapters, they don't do that. I think in the volumes, they do. Um, but yeah, that is that is something that I think a lot of other publishers don't do as much. They'll just put little English translations and tiny text um, yeah. instead. But yeah, maybe for the chapters, they didn't do that. Anyways, continue. Well, I'm just going to make a judgment call here and say that they shouldn't rip it out, right? Because word, yeah. art, word art is art too, right? Absolutely, so we'll just, absolutely. We'll just say that. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not hilarious when you have this massive word art like next to a nuclear explosion, right? And it takes up three quarters of the page and then there's boom next to that and point like two font. There's just like itty bitty like boom written right next to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's dumb and it's funny. I love it. Um, don't change that, please. Uh 
So I really, really like the shading in this book. It's super next level. Like I said, the art is just unbelievable. Um, I, I, I can totally see why this book would click with fans of superhero books. And again, that's not just because it's clearly about superheroes, but also I think aesthetically the art does tend to lean a little bit more towards what people who are used to reading comic books would pick up. I think mm-hmm. there's some stuff there that they would uh, be into. I love how creative the the villain designs are, uh, both in terms of just being inventive, but also frequently being humorous and stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got this bad guy who's like a uh, a crab called Crab Lante, um, whose origin story he sums up when he says, quote, I transformed into Crab Lante after eating too much crab. That's it. That's it. That's the origin story. Dude, you know, that 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 kind of joke persists throughout the whole series and I love it. It is like it's so fantastic. Like there's a villain in one of the chapters I most recently read who is a giant bird and the reason why he's a giant bird is because he used to work on a TV show where he dressed up as a giant bird and the costume fused with his body. That that's the whole reason. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's just a cautionary tale about, you know, one's favorite foods, I guess, but just all of these big bad designs are equal parts, just wonderfully dumb and just, and just really creative. Um, I will say there was one thing that was kind of confusing in this book. Uh, there's a lot of speech bubbles in this book that don't have a tapered point to make it clear who's talking. Mm. And sometimes they both lack that tapered point and they're being spoken by someone off panel which makes things really confusing because, like, you'll see one punch man's face, right, on the right side of the panel, and then you'll see this just, a, it's a circular text bubble on the left side of the panel with no tapered point to indicate that it's one punch man. Right. Um, but it's not one punch man speaking either. It's someone else. I don't know. It was kind of a not, just just a little unintuitive and kind of kind of weird. Um, so so that's that's something that I think is more common in manga than it is in Western comics. In Western comics, usually they'll do that with a tail, or sometimes if someone's speaking off panel, they'll do it with a box in, in yeah. like captions. Yeah. Um, and, and in manga, I think it's way more frequent for them to to do that where someone is speaking off panel in the previous panel, they were they were visible and now they're continuing to speak in the next panel. And rather than carrying the, the letter over the bubble over, they just put a bubble in the middle of the page or something. Um that's interesting. I, I don't I don't really find that to be an issue, but I could see where that's confusing, especially if there's like a group of characters speaking. But um, anyways, yeah. I just yeah I I, I I don't know. That's it. I'm glad you pointed that out because I never really considered it. Yeah. There's well, that. I think this is like definitely something that like Scott McCloud's like understanding comics talked about in terms mm-hmm. of sort of um, and again like obviously things are more complicated than East versus West in terms of how manga is done and comics are done because each person does things individually. You know, mm-hmm. um, each person is their own creative. Uh, entity but at large i think he did say that this sort of panel to panel transition and organization is something that obviously is not as typical in western comics like if you have a person's face taking up most of the panel and there's a speech bubble right there it's usually them you know right. so yeah well there's there's also a trope in uh, manga where if someone's getting talked at they'll have a mm-hmm. reactionary thing so it's it's you're looking at the person who's being talked to but you're trying to see what the emphasis of the word is so you'll have their yeah. reaction but it's the other person talking 
Yeah, no, interesting. it's interesting. It's 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 a well utilized mechanism that I think I think works. It's just that you have to wrap your mind around what's going on first because mm-hmm. it it does seem like hold on, what's wait who's t- who's talking? What's going on? So, um, but yes, I I totally. I, I, it's got a weird, wicked sense of humor. Like the hero's kind of like moment of justice stems from the fact that he won't let this enemy kill this kid because he's worried about Japan's dwindling birth rate, and he mm-hmm. doesn't want to ruin, you know, the the fact that having another like kid die is just gonna make things even worse. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, I can totally see how this book just really goes after a wide audience. I, yeah. I can I totally get that one hundred percent. As I said to you earlier, at one point, like part of me wonders, like how how sustainable is this arc? Because obviously, a lot of it has to do with oh, um, he's kind of bored, he's kind of frustrated with his day to day life, he keeps killing everything real easily. Um, you know, how much can you rinse repeat on the cycle? But as you told me earlier they start delving into different characters and he sort of kind of becomes like more of a secondary character that gets woven in and out of things, which is really interesting to me too. Yeah. I, it's, I, there's a whole discussion we could probably have about one punch man, but I, the thing I think that becomes interesting is there is this whole ranking system that I don't think you've maybe t- they touched on in the first three chapters and there's all these different heroes and villains and they all have different threat levels and different class rankings and all this different stuff because it's, it's manga does this really well where they always try to like put together a hierarchy and a set of rules so that the rules can be broken and bended and modified and tweaked as the story goes on to kind of, it's not basically Naruto. Yeah, I mean, Naruto kind of does some of that too, but Dragon I think Dragon Ball too. <laughs> Dragon Ball does too. Like they put starting put numbers on things, and again, these are all just tropes. And I think that the idea that one is running with in this series is is playing on all of that, and then poking fun at it constantly while also taking it very seriously. Um, yeah. And so when you meet other characters, they all take the world seriously, except for Saitama, who goes, well, "None of these things are actually inconveniences for me. So why is everyone worried about it?" <laughs> <laughs> I also love how like the cities are just called like City A, City. B, City yes, D. Yes. Um, yeah, there's just, yeah, there's something great about how just generic that is. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's stupid. Um, but anyways, let, let's talk about the last one, My Hero Academia, because this is my big bad baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like this book really tries to, again, this is from limited experience, but it seems like it really tries to, like, check all of the boxes of, like, manga, which is, like, do we have, like you know, a young kid who's kind of, like, undersized and an underdog, and he's a runt, and he has a rival who's, like, everything he's not. Of course we do. Um, is he in school? Is he worried about passing a big test, and it's instrumental to his future? Of course mm-hmm. there is. Um, are there superpowers, and he doesn't have any? Yep, that's exactly what's going on. Um, <laughs> uh, which, 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 which is fine. Um, so remember, remember, this here... is aimed at kids who are also going through all those things. Yeah, this that <laughs> yeah, is true. Which is like, I, I don't know <laughs> if fact... I'd want to be like, man, my escapism is worrying about someone else having to take a test. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, the fact that we're th- that we're all close to thirty and reading this and being like, oh, I'm kind of over it. I was like, think if you're twelve and you've never read that other stuff. Yeah, no, is. no, Renee, you 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 make a good point. Obviously, it is worth pointing out that a lot of this stuff is meant to be or is oriented towards uh, teenage boys, and so. Yeah, their 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 thresholds for some of this might be you know different than ours. That's for sure. I completely agree. Um, 
So yeah, we we have a universe which is kind of like inverted from ours where everybody has powers, which is also kind of weird because it seems like they keep reinforcing that like everybody has powers except this kid. And then the book goes, um, 80% of people have powers. And I'm like, it seems like everybody has powers. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like me splitting hairs, but that is kind of what I like. I expected to at least find one other kid within the first couple chapters that was like, Hey, I don't have powers too. And that never happened. So I don't know. Um, these are the weird things I choose to focus on. Um, So, yeah, we have this kid, he doesn't have powers, but he still is determined to get into this superhero kind of academy. Um, I don't know why they keep calling him Deku when his name is... Midoriya. Uh, Izuku? Izuku. Izuku. Deku is the, is the nickname that his childhood friend Bakugo has for him. So, because they've been in class together for forever, and Bakugo's the one that calls him Deku the loudest... And the yeah. most often, it's just become his nickname, and that's what he does, responds does, to. Does Deku have anything to do with, like, Deku and Zelda? Does, like, Deku mean something in Japanese? Deku basically means idiot. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. All right. There's a, they get they get into specifically what it stands for. I don't remember, but it's basically, it's Bakugo's making fun of him. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I again, this is like another book where I feel like the aesthetic is definitely one that kind of like bridges the gap between manga and comics. Like it's somewhere squarely in the middle. And mm-hmm. and I, I absolutely love this this All Might character. I think his design is really creative. Um <laughs> I, I think it's design. Like I think at one point, like the first time he even sees him, like Izuku goes, like he's totally drawn in a completely different style, and I'm like, yeah. okay, <laughs> like the, that's like the quote verbatim, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I absolutely love his. I don't know what you want to call it, like his normal design or his like kind of like the powered design. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, like that's so distinctive and like kind of creepy and weird and like otherworldly and it's like like the body shape and like the kind of skeletal it's it's interesting. Like it's a great character design. It's fantastic. Um but yeah, um there's a lot of things that I think kids and people who have read other, you know, why narratives will relate to of you know, having to go to school and trying to find a way to help and be a hero and and find some way of getting powers regardless and interacting with this All Might guy. And we obviously have like sort of like a like a montage as he tries to become a hero and clean a beach, which is hilarious because he's like, I just want to become a hero. And All Might's like, look, you have to do volunteer hours, okay? Like, this is not... Mm-hmm. Like this is something you should understand, and we we need to clean this. Be- <laughs> we need to clean this beach, and uh, and then you need to eat my hair to get my powers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing that's interesting about All Might is that he is truly like the most wholesome superhero you could ask for. Yeah. Right? And it's yeah. it's interesting because I think if you keep reading, you'll see why he's so important in being that type of character because a lot of the other heroes aren't necessarily that wholesome. So, um. Yeah, anyway, I just I I love that about him and it because it's super prevalent like as you read as you read on like I think how wholesome and how like great he was. He's this beacon of light that they call him and it's totally absolutely the truth. Um and when things start to change later on, I mean, you want you start to realize why it was so important for him to be that type of person. Yeah, no, it's um I 
I, I, I felt the art was an interesting departure from other books. Um, like one, like one punch man, I felt again, you kind of have like a detailed style that I really don't know if you could pull that off as fast as some other ones. Um, is this book monthly or is this other, every other, this is weekly. This book is weekly. Week. Wow. And he also has like nine assistants on the book, by the way. (laughs) Well, this book is like hot shit right now everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I think there's a lot here for a lot of different people to relate to, whether you're into art, whether you're into superheroes. Um, as you said, it's got kind of that whole like gamification quantifying that people are into where you're like comparing power levels and, mm-hmm. and, and abilities and, um, that sort of stuff is here too. Um, the only thing I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting, is like when that one character, Mountain Lady, shows up immediately. Yeah. And it's like an ass <laughs> shot, and she's like, I'm Mount Lady. And I'm like, there's a lot to unpackage here. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> trying to get teenage boys' attention. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, uh, the fucking gray-petted kid who's, I can't remember what his name is. Um, Are you talking uh, about Mineta? Kind of like, I'm talking about Mineta, yes. He's he, he's this pervert character that I feel like that he they play that up like this perversion a lot in the first couple of volumes and then it disappears because I think fans were just not reacting to that level of that type of comedy. I, I just, don't think like, I've met this kid. I don't think I don't, he shows I don't, up. Yeah, I don't think three. you have. You once you if you continue to read like you meet this whole cast of characters that end up being in Midoriya's class and um it's it's really interesting. I fucking love this book so much. I don't know during um, the uh, during the dorm room chapters or whatever. He was still pretty pervy. <laughs> oh, I know, oh, I know. No. But I feel like it becomes less frequent. Is all, is all I'm saying. That's true. Um, Although they're going through some pretty uh, intense stuff lately. Yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know we don't we don't want to spoil the the latest chapters of My Hero Academia because the new one came out today and I have yet to read it. Um, but anyways, I guess so. Nick, on the whole, um, what did you think of these four books? Like, are there any that you might actually continue to pursue reading? Maybe like borrowing the volumes on Hoopla or something. Or um, and I also want to hear about your experience using the Shonen Jump app. If I sort of had to pick one or even sort of pick two that I think would be like sort of real contenders to continue reading. Um, One Punch Man is definitely one for me. Like I said before, I think the only kind of big variable, which I'm really interested to see, is how they kind of get away from a rinse-repeat cycle of, um, geez, I'm bored, I keep fighting everything, something new shows up, it's kind of like a creative and funny villain, but also I, like, kill it immediately, and then sort of the cycle repeats, uh, I am really interested to see how that book attempts to sort of extend and break out of that cycle. So, so that would definitely be one thing. Um, uh, one, one piece, uh, I, I would at least like to see a little bit more of before I make my mind on. I think that, um, it really hasn't hit a point where I'm like, okay, like I can sort of see how this is going to do arcs or sort of rinse repeat. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious on that front. And then, yeah, um, My Hero Academia also feels like there's just a lot going on there um, to unpackage, and there's mm-hmm. just a lot to sort of all these different characters and all these different um, – now that they're, like, teaming up with other schools to be in, like, these examinations, which oddly somehow use Mario graphics as, like, the – 
like the PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff here that I think a lot of it is kind of like in a wait and see sort of position where it's like, yeah, this looks interesting. I probably still need to read even more before I really kind of say, okay, like this is like, I've kind of figured things out and I'm just not interested or, you know, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, so you, you use the Shonen Jump app for this, right? You, you were yeah. able to get it on your phone. Um, I mean, Renee, you've used the Shonen Jump app for a little while, right? What are, what, what are your, like, likes and dislikes? Well, I don't like that the Shonen Jump app is not available on the Kindle Fire, I'll tell you that. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, that was Nick's problem, too, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's only, you can do the Viz app, which is a nightmare on the Kindle. Um, but the app on the iPhone is very, it's so much nicer. Um, yeah, I really love Viz's reader, both if you use it on your computer or if you use it through the app, I think the reader his I think it's, it's the way that I've mostly read manga, you know, and I, I don't like doing the panel by panel stuff. I like having kind of just the page all there i can see everything on it and you know it's it's not too complicated and i think it it's pretty easy to navigate so i mean i really like it and i've always been a huge um proponent for it you know just be like yeah go use it it's great enjoy it and plus the you know it's pretty easy to navigate so if you're looking for um a series to read or a chapter to read although I will say I wish there was a function to be able to be like, hey, save my spot if I hit my 100 chapters today so that I don't have to jump back through and be like, eh. Yeah, I, the, there's no ability to like sync between devices or like even if you're signed in. So it's kind of a bummer. But whoa, um, really? Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I read a lot on my iPad, but sometimes I'll read during my lunch break at work and like I have to just figure out remember where my where i left last left off and then after i read any chapters then i have to like go and and find them again later on my ipad so yeah it's kind of a bummer but um yeah i guess uh nick what you read this did you read stuff just on your phone or did you try reading on the web at all um yeah i i used the i used the web reader uh largely on my computer and then i also used it on my tablet um i i did appreciate that the functionality didn't seem to to change too much between the two. Um, the one really weird thing that I did notice is that, for example, if you were reading on your computer, um, in order to change the pages, you either had to go grab the page selector sort of like dongle at the bottom, which is kind of, uh, you know, you got to be careful with that. Otherwise, next thing you know, you're dragging yourself six or seven pages ahead, which isn't great. Um, or you have to use the keyboard and the left and you know the left and right arrow keys to change pages. And I realize that's like Nick, you're being nitpicky. Don't do that. But the fact that there isn't just a simple kind of like click on the left side of the page and it and it you know turns the page functionality just surprised me. I'm pretty and sure I figured that is. was maybe hmm? no. We we tested it out. No. And it, it didn't work at all. And I figured that was maybe because they were using the the mouse click to let you do your manual zooming, but you're not. That's not what it's for. So, um, yeah, I found that really weird, um, which almost made it actually more intuitive on the on the tablet because at least at that point you could you know drag you know pull on the left side or the right side of the page and, and drag the yeah, next page over. Yeah. So you find exactly. you find clicking to be less irritating than hitting on your keyboard. Well, I mean, like, the thing for me is, like, if I'm sort of, like, sitting back and, like, lounging, 
you know, in a chair, like a foot or, you know, a foot away from the computer or something like that, you know, just being able to like have my mouse on the edge of, and again, this is like a very specific picky scenario, but like being able to lean back in the chair and just have my mouse on the, on the desk or whatever, and just click to the next one instead of having to like lean up to the computer and constantly tap the keys. That is very interesting because I am the exact opposite. I hate using the mouse (laughs) and I would rather hit the arrows. So the fact that the, the fact that the arrows are able to be used on it is my favorite function of it it took me a while to even figure out that's what you you could do so yeah i mean all in all again it's like a it's a nitpicky thing beyond that it's like it's a functional reader sure it doesn't have guided um and again i assume the app does the app have some sort of guided panel thingy no no because that's okay so neither the app nor the web reader has it that's fine it's not a game breaker for me honestly i hate guided and i don't want so much yeah i don't (laughs) want to that's a personal view but yeah, exactly. It's not it's not a big deal for me either. I, I personally, you know, I don't need the zooming. And I think in some ways, like, a lot of the, the manga panel shapes that I see for a lot of things aren't really sort of, like, really square. So it's kind of hard to kind of hop around without, like, it's hard to, like, capture individual panels without, I, I would imagine, having other panels, like, bleed in if you were to do guided view. Yeah. So, again, I don't... I don't mind it. I thought it worked. I I thought it worked pretty well. I didn't really have any issues with it. Um, it was fast and responsive and didn't break down. I yeah. I I would find that a pretty good way to continue reading. So well, everybody, if you want to chip in five cents each, we can get Nick a, a two dollar a month subscription to Shonen Jump, and he can only read manga for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> this gets two hundred views on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I I'm glad that you know uh, that we we tried this little experiment kind of last minute after we had to do some schedule shuffling. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, Nick, are you are you okay? How are you feeling after reading all this manga? <laughs> it's it's a lot, but I think it was really. I thought it was a pretty useful experiment, if only for me, because getting to experience like a wide variety in terms of age and in terms of aesthetics and in terms of um, like production schedules and styles, just the ability to experience several of these pretty varied books in terms of that um, one after the other, after the other. And obviously there are other mangas out there that are vastly different from this. Obviously these are all shown in. And so to some extent they still, again, some more than others, I don't want to really dig myself a hole here, but there are some visual trappings, yes, that tend to find their way into shonen books, I think you could probably argue. Go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong, but... Sure, um, sure. Even even within that, um, I saw a pretty wide variance in terms of aesthetics and styles, um, and 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 being able to put those, read those within such close proximity to one another, um, only allowed me to sort of more easily see the the differences between them, um, because you know a week or two ago I'll confess when you and I were talking about this and I was sort of looking at some of the thumbnails and whatnot for a couple of the books that people were talking about reading, I was like, a lot of these books seem to have a very similar visual aesthetic. And I think a lot of that was just how the thumbnails were being drawn, because when mm-hmm. I got into them, they did look, you know, discernibly different from one another, so. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, cool. I guess, um, 
I guess we could wrap up here. I mean, this is this has been a very like, kind of in-depth conversation. I hope you've lasted this long and you want to go read this manga because we're at the end of the show. Um, so you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow Renee at Rodriguez 29 And you can follow me at Mike Rappin and the show at IRCB Podcast where we have all sorts of things. We're also on Instagram where I try to post little previews of the show and little clips as, as we release them. This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars or whatever you want on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcasts. You can also join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com forward slash Discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We cannot thank them enough for letting us use their music. Xander is a high wizard, a high fiver, a great DM, and just a roundabout great guy. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Renee and Nick, and thank you to everyone out there who is just playing cool, hangs out with us on Discord, and follows us all on Twitter, and gives us all sorts of love and thanks. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you.